In this episode, we discuss the early days of MMA, personal growth, being a good person, the mindset of the martial artist, and coming back from a loss or major setback. I really think you're going to enjoy today's episode, and if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice, and of course, please check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the IcePod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the IcePod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with the 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable, and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. I'm here with today's guest, Dan Moret. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate being here. Appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on. I, I'm always very excited to talk to uh, you know guys in the fight game, especially you know someone like yourself. I know you're you're fighting at a, at a quite a high level, um, so I'm interested to to pick your brain about the uh, the mental aspects into the training a little bit here. Um, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about you and your, your background. Uh, yeah, Dan Moret. I'm uh, originally from Minnesota, now training out of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um, grew up wrestling was kind of my first uh, martial art, I guess, when I was in the fifth grade, started doing that. Um, fell in love with it. And then uh, after high school, um, that's kind of when I got into more doing martial arts. I, I was uh, working in the summertime 
with a buddy of mine who uh, was on the wrestling team. His dad had a construction company. I was working with them. Um, kind of saw some some fights uh, down in we were down in Iowa, and of course, like most guys who had a couple of beers and are watching the fights, I was like, man, I think I could take these guys. And um, you know, sure enough, they were like, well, you should get in there. You should get in there. And as soon as I did it, you know, I did six weeks later. They had fights again down there. I went in there. I was like, man, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do this. Got into it and, and just fell in love with it. You know, the same reasons why I fell in love with wrestling is just a one-on-one -on -one competition. It was a different sort of thing than um, than team sports and stuff, which are also great. But uh, you know, that one-on-one -on -one aspect of it and getting into to fights, it was kind of it was a whole different thing. It was just like the the purest way I could kind of test myself. You know, I just wanted competition. It wasn't like I was super into violence. Or I wanted to just fight. It was like man, I just wanted to, to test myself and to have competition and. That was the best form that I could find was, you know, martial arts. Um, so that was kind of the start of my journey was just down there, kind of running, getting in these random, uh, f you know, fights that they had down in Iowa, which were unsanctioned at the time. They didn't have a commission or anything like mm -hmm. that. So, um, you know, we literally would go to the bar and it was uh, the guy who had a cage and then the uh, owner of the bar would kind of come in the back and what you stepped on the scale at didn't really matter. Uh, we would walk in there and they would just kind of point and go, uh, I think you versus um, – you and you versus you and uh you know you, so you're kind of looking at this guy well, what how much does that guy weigh and how many times has he done this and you don't really know it was just kind of how it was um but you know i found success in it early and and, and I, I just fell in love with it and uh a short time after that i found out there's actually people in my hometown doing it there's other people training which i had no idea i fought five times just kind of doing it by myself i uh i was a boxing fan when I was really young and had a heavy bag, uh, my dad's basement and just started training on my own. You know, I wrestled, like I said, I wrestled since I was young and I was a boxing fan. So I just basically hit the punching bag and, and the bench press. And that was my, my training for the first five fights I had. Um, thankfully found success doing it. And then, uh, found some guys that were doing it in my hometown and, uh, that it was like a legit thing. Um, and it kind of took off from there. I had my first fight, um, sanctioned one in Minnesota in front of my hometown. Um, which they said was like, well, we're going to get you an amateur fight. We'll do these. And I said, well, what's amateur fights? And I, I already was fighting. We didn't know there was any difference between professional <laughs> amateur fights, you know? So technically I probably should have been professional from the start, but, um, you know, got in the amateur fights and, and I just loved it. We had such a camaraderie there that, that I was missing, uh, since I had gotten out of wrestling. Um, you know, you're, you're so close in team sports and such a great thing for young people to, to do, to build themselves and to build that camaraderie and to go through hard things, especially something like wrestling. I tell that to my brother. So he's got a uh, young son. I say, this is the hardest thing that kid will have to do. You know, he's got a good life other than that. He's a good middle-class family, a nice place to live. And I was like, but this is one thing he has to do that's hard. And it's, and it's seeking that. And it was tough. And you build real camaraderie with that. I was closer with guys on my wrestling team than I was anywhere else. Um, and, and I found that again with martial arts and the training with that. Cause it was, you know, kind of some outcast guys who were doing this, uh, you know, at the time was not a big thing. I mean, this was 2007, um, so, so it wasn't like it was underground or tiny yet, but it wasn't what it is now. The UFC was not a, a super popular thing and it wasn't a sport that people looked at as a legitimate sport. You know, as soon as my family found out I was doing this, you doing what? You're going to fight in a cage? Like, what are you thinking? What are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and they wouldn't go. They, they were, you know, I don't think my mom came to a fight until I was eight and oh. And she was like, oh, man, he's actually kind of good at this. And he's serious about it. You know, like, I, I guess like, I got to go and watch, you know, as much as she didn't want to, um, you know, and they, they supported me fully. And, you know, they thought it was crazy and it was a terrible idea. But, 
you know, they were, I was very fortunate to have a family that was super supportive in it and said, Hey, if this is what you really want to do, then you better do it. And you better, you know, put everything into it. Um, you know, little did I know it would turn into to what it is now, you know, to, to look back and think about that as a young kid who was 20 years old doing it where I shouldn't even been in that bar in the first place and then found it. And then to that, to press to a, a career of, you know, over 35 fights and, and having been able to compete in the UFC and currently in Bellator and, you know, having fought and coached and cornered guys all around the world and, and everything it's given me, you know, I had no idea that that was what it would become. You know, it wasn't like uh, now when kids grow up and they think about that, that's their goal. And they have that in mind the whole time. It was just something I, I found and I, I fell in love with. Like, man, this is a different kind of competition. It feels so real. There's so much on the line. And the great thing about it to me is that there's so much to gain from it because it's, it's as pure as it gets, right? It's, there's no balls or, or yard lines or this many points for that or this. It goes, it's one man versus another man, relatively the same size. And we just go, we're just going to go in there and figure it out. You can train and prepare however you want to do it and however you think is most valuable for you. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And we're just going to go in there and figure it out. And, and there's something about that that's so pure that I love. Um, so I, I kind of fell in love with it. And um, I fell in love with, with coaching it and doing that just as much as fighting and competing in it, um, you know, as soon as I started doing it. Because we had a, a small team <clears throat> back in my hometown of Mankato, Minnesota, where we had a, a guy who owned a Taekwondo school. And he just loved MMA and, and the fights. And he said, hey, listen, I don't know anything about this kind of fighting and real stuff. He goes, I do Taekwondo. I just let you guys train here. He goes, I don't want to coach you. I'm not trying to take any credit for any of this stuff. He goes, you guys can just train here. And so he let a bunch of dudes who were college wrestlers and just tough guys go in there and train and, and do stuff. And we fortunately had a, a, a good kickboxing coach um, who had moved to town, who was from Minneapolis, uh, Ray White, who moved there. And so we had a high-level Muay Thai coach. It was just a bunch of kids, guys who could wrestle. And then we had a high-level striking coach. So we, we had a, a real good team of just, you know, young guys when back when there wasn't teams. You know, we had to drive an hour and a half to find somebody who did jiu-jitsu and to learn that. We were just a bunch of wrestlers and, and guys who could, you know, and punch a little bit. And, and we had a high-level coach who had trained at a, a big level. So we had conditioning um, kind of far beyond what anybody of the other teams did, So which is why we had early success there. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, was I, I had to we kind of had to coach each other because we didn't really have – coaching staffs and teams and things like that. It was like, well, there's this guy in town who did kickboxing and we trained at a Taekwondo school and we're a bunch of wrestlers. So we kind of got to figure all this stuff out and, and do it on our own. And, and that was as rewarding as fighting it was itself to me. And, um, you know, I fell in love with it and it'll, it'll be the rest of my life now is, is um, sharing it and competing in it and coaching it and, uh, you know, trying to get the benefits that I've gotten from it in my life and sharing that with as many other people as I can. Yeah, that that's really cool to hear. Uh, you just you talking about the early days and stuff too, because you know, as we were talking a lot about a little bit before. I mean, um, you know, jujitsu guy. I've had a had a couple of amateur fights many many years ago, but I, I think like my first fight was maybe um, yeah, like two thousand two thousand eight two thousand nine. So kind of the same same time frame. And I remember like the my first show. Uh, that I, that I fought in my first amateur fight, there was like one of the fighters opponents didn't show up. And the, the, the announcer comes out and he's like, do we have any takers, you know, in the audience and some dude from the audience just like takes his shirt off, like puts his beer down and comes in and gets like mauled. And uh, I, I kind of remember those like super early days, you know, the amateur fights where we were allowed to stomp people's heads, elbow people on the top of the head, up kicks, yeah. 
uh, knees with no shin pads. I mean, uh, and I know you're mentioning like your mom, not wanting to come see your fight. I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of MMA, even still is like, they, they just think it's this like insane barbaric thing. And while there, there is an element to that, like, like you said, it's a fight. It's two people going in, trying to knock each other out, trying to submit each other. Uh, you know, thank God, like the, the sport has been transformed into a sport, you know, not just like this, like human cockfighting thing that people kind of used to, yeah. used to make it into. Yeah. Back. In, I mean, it was, um, it sounds like, I mean, most of them back around that time, there was a little bit of structure to it, but it was mostly like a tough man competition, but not just boxing. Yeah. And that's like, like you're saying, most of the time, those guys was like, yeah, when it was just at some bar, I would think at least half the guys had one or two beers before they got in. They're like, I'm going to have yeah. a couple, I'm going to loosen up and I'm be ready to go. And they're going to fight, you know? And that's at least how I was. I was a young kid from Minnesota, just down there working construction and stumbled upon these fights. And I was fighting hairy chested farm guys from Iowa you know, that probably yeah. weighed 20, 30 pounds more than me. And I'm like, I don't know how many times this guy's been in fights in his life and doing it. I'm just a kid, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm just a wrestler. I think I'm kind of tough. I just want to give it a try. And, uh, yeah, a little bit wild, you know, but you're thankful for the experiences of having that, you know, and, uh, without trying to sound like an old guy, when I'm talking to the team now and the kids, I'm like, you guys have no idea what it was like back then. I was like, it wasn't like you Googled the guy and there was a topology and a YouTube and you could watch his fights and see where he went and scope his face and all this stuff. I was like, no, you showed up and you just fought whoever they said. And half the time, if they gave you an opponent beforehand, it would switch the day of. That was like the first one I had in my hometown after I had five fights. I was just fighting in unsanctioned fights. And then they're like, well, you're good at this. We should have you uh, do one of these amateur fights. And I was like, an amateur fight? I don't know. What, what's that? What do you mean amateur? And they're like, yeah, well, you got to do amateur fights first. And I was like, well, I don't know. I was just doing them already. And so when I went to this first fight, I was supposed to fight one kid. And we pull up and the, the promoter says, well, hey, listen, the fight's supposed to be at 160 pounds because we're doing it the same day weighing. So 155 is 160. And they go, he only weighed 148, so he's closer to this other guy. So you're going to fight this dude instead. And the guy's right in front of you, so it's not like you can say no. You know, I mean, you yeah. guess you could, but you kind of look at each other and you go, all right, guess I'm fighting this guy. What's he like? Well, I don't know. You get one look at him and guess. Like, I don't know. Is he going to wrestle? Is he going to strike? What's his deal? Yeah. Who knows? You're like, what does his ears look like? Does he have cauliflower ears? Is he a grappler? Yeah. Is he like... Well, fortunately, <clears throat> unfortunately for me, the kid I was supposed to fight again, weighing 12 pounds less than me was a skinny little guy who was like a wrestler, but didn't look like much. This kid who I fought, I ended up having, this is my first sanctioned fight. I fought him twice. Uh, the second time being for the Minnesota amateur title. Cause he was a big, tough wrestler from Wisconsin. And I mean, he had a neck mm -hmm. as wide as his ears and he was built like this. And I was a skinny little kid at the time. And this kid's big and jacked. And, and I was like, man, oh man. Cause it's interesting they have uh, the local paper was there you know they're like covering these fights they say, man when this event's going on we got to be there so they took a picture of me getting my hand raised after the fight but they got like a whole description of the walkout and they're like he stopped halfway to the cage to dance to the crowd and then cheer and hype up the crowd and do this and that and it's hilarious because i told people go i stopped halfway because i was fucking scared yeah. i was like oh my god i was like look at that guy he's under the lights and he's got pecs and he's got traps and i was like holy cow like i'm gonna oh man and everybody i know is there so i had to give myself a second like you can win i was like you can there's a way you can win like you can figure it out like yeah he's a tough wrestler he's a big guy but I was like you're gonna win there's a way to win and then i was like all right and then i walked back forward and got in there 
you know, so it, it was kind of cool, you know, first it psyched me out. Like, oh man, I thought I was going to be able to smash this little guy and nope, you're going to fight this big buff dude. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a better showing for me. Cool. I, I beat him. And even <clears throat> back in the day, Minnesota was kind of a weird, uh, like we're saying wild west kind of deal. They had when they had a commission, but at that time they had an odd rule where a submission was only a 10, eight round and it started over. You had to submit someone twice because there are so many wrestlers up in Minnesota that people were getting, they would shoot in and get guillotined in 10, 20 seconds. And so no one was getting experience. So like, well, how can we get around this? Well, if you tap out, yeah. it's just, you start over and again, they're like, well, they're amateur. So if you're in a bad spot, you can just tap. We'll call that a 10, eight round. And then you can go again. Thankfully for me, it always worked out in my favor, but I mean, can you imagine if we're in a fight and you tap me That's out, weird. you give me in a submission, tap me out. I, I tap, stop, 10-8 yeah. round. In the second round, I hit you with a lucky punch. You fall the wrong way. The ref says, oh, he's out and stops it, maybe even early. And now I win by TKO after you had already beat me. So, you know, yeah. never happened like that for me. Thankfully, I was able to submit this guy twice in a row and, and finish the fight. But one of those odd little rules, um, you know, back in the day when it was it was kind of wild. You know, it wasn't like this was 1993. This is you know, 2008, and it was still kind of right. a little little weird with the rules and uh, how things went. Yeah, and I know you mentioned the not really having jujitsu around. Like I remember, I'm I'm from Indiana, and I all I wanted was just to to train jujitsu, and it was like there was there was a brown belt, you know, that was like an hour and a half away, and that was. Uh, that was pretty much it. And then, you know, I, I moved down to Atlanta to, to train jujitsu full time later on in my life. And it, it's funny. Cause like I, I was at whole foods one day and it's, you know, like I'm, I'm a black belt walking in and I see a couple other black belts from a couple of the other gyms. And there's, you know, one of the black belt instructors, it's like this, this whole foods and in, in Atlanta has got six black belts walking around in it. it. You know, just, just cause it happened to be after the, the lunchtime training crew or whatever. So yeah, big difference. It, it's definitely drive an hour and a half to find a brown belt. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been great to see the evolution. And especially now, I mean, there's there's kids that have, are growing up that have been training since they were six years old. You know, they, they could go in and do jujitsu or wrestling at six years old and do that for years. And then they get into boxing and then they get into wrapping it all together into MMA. And you've got these like these kids that are coming up, these these phenoms that are 18, 19 years old, and they've been training for 10 years uh, the, the sport has just really been, really been fun to watch the evolution over the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, you know, getting to the point now catching up to other sports in, in a bunch of different ways, but that's certainly one of them where we've got kids are doing MMA since they're kids where, you know, you play football since you're a kid, so you know how to play football and you get there. It's not like you, you only threw the ball or you only ran with it at one point. Like, no, you played the whole game since you were little. Now guys are doing that. So there's so many more people who, like you say, have a full, well-rounded skill set when they're older. It's not like, oh, he was a good wrestler, and now he fights. Or this kid was a national Muay Thai champion, now he does MMA. You know, these kids are MMA fighters since they're young, and they have a full-rounded skill set and experience. So it's one of the things that makes it uh, tough for guys like me who are getting a little long in the tooth for this game. And now i got to fight somebody who's 12, 14, 16 years younger than me and has a lot of experience already too. So it's not even like I have a huge experience and edge on these guys. Like, no, he's been doing it for 10 years too. It's, you know, he's yeah. got a long time in this as well. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's interesting to see the evolution of the game like that. And 
and the progression of it in many areas, you know, the training and the scientific stuff that goes into it and the different philosophies on that. Now it's so much different than it was even when you and I started, you know, compared to even then, you know, think back before that 1990s, 2000, those kind of times when it was just oh, yeah. tough guys in a room and they just beat the crap out of each other forever. Yeah. So I, I know you, um, we talked a little bit before, you know, before we hit record, and I know you were training for a fight. You literally had a fight lined up this weekend that, that fell through. Um, you know, what, what else, what else are you working on currently? I know, you know, if you want to mention rogue methods, I think for some of the listeners in the show, they, um, you know, the, the, the way that I got in contact with you was through a uh, previous guest Raul. So I know you guys are business partners there. Why don't you just tell us about, you know, your training, rogue methods, what you got going on? Yeah. Uh, you know, so like I said, I, I teach a lot of, um, the martial arts stuff outside of just competing myself. So doing just martial arts and, and some private lessons with that and, and especially self-defense stuff, um, and weapons and things with Raul. Um, you know, I was super fortunate to get connected with him, uh, pretty early on. It was five years or so ago we you know we both worked for a different company he was kind of the training director there and they had a little mma team and so i got connected with them um you know said hey i was looking just for to try to get medical kits and stuff i was like hey they got these cool med kits and these different things it was like I, i'd like to do that maybe we work a sponsorship kind of deal or whatever i'll do some marketing for you guys um and like hey we got this little team if you want to come up and train um and that was when i met Raul and those guys and it's kind of a cool deal you know it's like one of those you know interesting parts where those guys are I go up there and meet these guys. And it's like, man, so four or five, six guys, it's a room full of bad dudes. And I'm like, you know, we're going to go roll and we're going to train. It's like, I'm the only one in this room that hasn't killed several people. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. like, it's a different thing, right? When you get on the mat, it's like, I'm quickly tying these guys up and they're going, what the hell? Like you get, I was like, well, yeah, I do this full, this is my whole thing. You did this a little bit in your training back then, you know, and like you do it now kind of recreational, but it's like, this wasn't your whole deal. This is my whole deal. And so, you know, kind of coached them. That's where I met, you know, got real close with Raul because then, uh, you know, he had done jujitsu and done a bunch of training before that. And so he's like, man, I'd really like to, to do a fight. And then we uh, we trained him up for a fight. You know, he's uh, whatever he was, 37, 38, making his debut and uh, <laughs> fighting up three weight classes above where he should have been probably against a young kid. And uh, he goes out there and just smashes and gets it done. Um, so that's we've known each other for a long time and trained on that. So. You know, I was very fortunate to get involved with those level of guys and people like that when I started doing the martial or the firearms training, because you know, as a Tyson martial arts, I I equivalent to this. I said, hey, I got to go and learn and take privates from high level black belts right away, and then I also got to go and do all their seminars, and then I was an assistant instructor at their seminars like quickly thereafter. I said, I, I got in with the best guys from the get go. You know, these are undercover DEA guys. These are special forces. These are SWAT guys. These are dudes who have done a lot, contractors overseas, undercover cops, all kinds of different stuff. You know, I get to train with these guys who have been in there and, and really done it and to do all that stuff. And I applied the same training styles like you do in martial arts. It's like that's how you get good at it, really any skill, right, is repetition and just doing it and, and getting comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I'm willing to sit and just do jab, cross over and over and over on a heavy bag the same way I'm willing to do draw on retention and, pre and present like over and over and over and over. And I was just do it at the house. It's like, man, these guys are so good and so smooth when we're shooting. And I'm out there like just all I can do to hold the steel and get it on there. People who have not shot handguns and firearms, it's way harder than you think it is. Everyone thinks they're going to hit bullseyes all day with hands. It's like, it's tough. Um, you know, and these guys are just so smooth. So I was 
putting in a huge amount of repetitions in a short amount of time and then training with the highest level guys. So I got pretty proficient at a, at a pretty good pace because of that mentorship I had with them. Um, you know, and that, that was a huge help for me. And obviously that isn't any aspect of anyone's life. If you can find good mentors and people that are high level instructors and people to be around that inspire mm -hmm. you to try to do it and to do it at a high level is a really big thing. It wasn't like these are casual guys who just shoot every once in a while and have some fun. You know, uh, you know, these guys are very, very dedicated to what they're doing there. First with what they're doing in their military and uh, law enforcement careers. And then also with their careers as trainers doing this. Um, and, and so Raul and I had a real kind of bond more so than any of the other guys there. Um, you know, a bunch of great dudes in that group, but Raul and I uh, connected right away and we, we just took off with it. And then, you know, eventually he wanted to branch off to do his own thing and, and with rogue methods. And, and I was all in with them, you know, we're, uh, we're good friends to do that. So we train all the time together now. It's awesome. So, you know, we're, we're constantly able to evolve our program and work on stuff because we train it and teach it every weekend. And then he comes into the gym and he's trained with myself and a bunch of other high level guys who get to do all this stuff and they're they they enjoy it and they think it's awesome and to get to try these kind of things with you know different bodies and different people uh one in the classes with just normal civilians or law enforcement or you know dea or whoever else we're working with but then also with like high level fighters where it's an interesting thing to involve the training weapons and the firearm stuff and say give it to somebody who's ranked in the top 10 at middleweight in the ufc and say hey keep this gun pointed at me. I'm going to just try to not let you point it at me as we're going for it. Okay. You're going to draw and I'm going to get a hold of it. Try your best. And it's like, obviously that's a tough guy. He's top 10 in the world and a big dude. And you know, now you get to train with these kind of people. So our, our level of training, I think has, has, you know, exponentially gotten better um, so fast because of like the resources we have and the teamwork that we have put together into it just because we're such good friends and, and we're, you know, we compliment each other well. He's such a cool dude. You know, you got to talk with him and, and meet him. Such an interesting guy. Um, not just a good friend and training partner, but like a mentor to me too. And in the firearm stuff and in business and, and just in life, a, a great dude. You know, he's got a lot of good thoughts on, on how to be a, a good person, how to better yourself and what to to do kind of, you know, setting goals and, and to try to live a purposeful life. You know, and I think uh, we've all had different journeys to get to that point. You know, some people are on that path real early. Um, his win this way and that way and he did a bunch of cool stuff and uh you know mine was all over the place and i found martial arts and we've kind of met here now um in arizona and it's become a great bond so yeah the rogue methods thing is, is awesome that's a you know i spend a lot of time doing that when i can and it's great obviously working with somebody who understands it where i get to train and go with him and do those kind of things around my schedule of fighting and so sometimes it's like uh, you know i was supposed to fight this weekend i was planning on being in minnesota today cutting weight and then you know this interview would have been in my dad's the the gym i have in my dad's house you know in his basement <laughs> there and i would have yeah. been ready for fights like now now this weekend we're training uh structured defense here in phoenix you know and that's just it's one of those things you take from martial arts is like hey things aren't always going to go to plan sometimes hard stuff happens and, and things like that it's like okay so i didn't get a fight you know I, I missed out on getting a win i missed out on getting to perform in front of my home state crowd again you know, which is probably not going to happen for me fighting with Bellator now. It's like they don't fight in Minnesota, so tough for me to get there. Um, so I had an opportunity that and all those things fall through. And it's like, all right, well, what am I going to do? You know, sit and pout and, uh, you know, go on a bender for a week then? It's like, no. Yeah. I went and, you know, my <laughs> my bender was I went to the pizza joint uh, down the street from me. I ordered two larges. I ate half each of one of them, boxed the rest of it up, <laughs> went home, went for a walk, went to sleep. 
Went to train the next day. And I was like, well, I just had pizza for two days in a row. Still trained every single day. I'm back, you know, again today. And then, uh, you know, this weekend we'll 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 get after it and, and do some training there and do the structure defense. You know, go in and spar tomorrow and give my guys, my teammates, the looks they need. Um, so it's just right back into training and doing it. You know, what are you gonna do? You just these things happen in martial arts and in life. Like, hey man, I had this plan and this thing happened. Go like a, a whole, you know, layout of what was gonna go, gonna be, and it doesn't. So, okay, what next? You just you keep moving forward and you do what you can and and that's that. Yeah, and and something that you you touched on like multiple times in there too is the the mindset, right? And how crucial it is. Like you know, you were talking about the fact that you were kind of able to develop a maybe a, a quicker than than usual proficiency with like some of the shooting and some of the gun the the weapons handling that you're doing because of your mindset, right? Because you you're used to it. You're used to wrestling. You're used to, you know, learning boxing. I think when you do a martial art, you kind of develop this mindset of like, you've been humbled enough times because you've had your ass beat. You know, you've been, you've been fucked up by somebody. You thought you were really good at so-and-so and and somebody kicked your ass. And it's like, I think for a lot of martial arts guys, uh, you know, and and women too, whatever, but you, you get into this like mindset of, okay, I just got my ass beat or something bad just happened. And then you like hit the drawing board. It's like, that's where the fun stuff really happens sometimes is you, you get humbled a little bit or something doesn't go your way. And then you're like, all right, back to the drawing board. Let's make a plan. How I'm going to attack this. How am I going to get better? And I think, you know, that that's obviously a huge part in just being successful in anything in life, right? Is you, you kind of always have a choice of, do I want to be the victim? You know, do I want to, do I want to be like, oh, you know, my, my fight backed out and go on a bender you know, or do you say, you know what, I'm kind of bummed out. Let me eat pizza for a couple of days. And then you're like, all right, it's time to get back on the grind, right? I'm in fight shape. Let's, let's get ready for the next yeah. one. So. It, and that's, it's, it's the mindset of that is like, you said, I, I'll eat pizza for the two. like, but I still got to train and do all the other stuff, right? I'm not going to let that go from that far off. And you just have to yeah. take, I think you're saying martial arts gives you that drive and that willingness to think, I just have to be good at problem solving. I don't care what the problem is. Like, I just want this desire to be able to like fix tasks and improve things. That's all I want to do is I was just like constantly improving it better at stuff. I never am like, Oh man, I got killed today in sparring. I lost all my rounds and this had like, Oh, it's like, man, why did I, why did that happen? And I'll watch it back and look and go, Oh man, I got taken down because I, I overextended on this punch and I was in a bad position on the fence. And then he got to here and that's why that happened. And man, that cost me three minutes on the ground because he's a really good guy on top and he controlled me. And this is why those things happen. And because I got control for those three minutes there, I got tired. So then the next round, I wasn't as good. Like, oh, okay. I start to see why things happen that way, right? And you build that like framework in your head of like, okay, this is why these things happen. And so if I fix this one and this one and this one, I might not even have to worry about these other things because we might not even get there. All right, how can I do that? And you just apply that to other parts of your life. Like, oh man, I'm short on my bills this month. Why Why is that happening? Like, okay, well, man, I missed this this opportunity to make some money in this one. And then, oh, I also overspent here and here and here. Okay, well, if I just redo that, all right, and I allocate some, and you just get good at problem solving. And that's what martial arts is, you know, and, and that's what's great about training and doing it is like, you know, uh, Joe Rogan's famous quoting is like, it's high level problem solving with dire consequences. Like if you don't figure this out, this guy's going to kill you until the referee stops it just short of that or in practice or trains, like until you have to tap where you go, Hmm. 
if I, if this would have been for real, he would have strangled me and I would have died. Huh. Okay. There's a serious consequence if I don't figure out why this guy keeps getting behind me and grabbing my neck. And so you want to figure it out, right? So it's, it's just, it's just that, you know, it's just life lessons applied from the martial arts mindset of like, Hey, all these things are fixable and I get to live another day and try again. And that, that's one of the biggest things in life too, is that, yeah, wanting to learn problems and, and get better at all everything you're doing and all your skills, but also the knowledge of like, Hey man, I screwed up today and I had really shitty practices and I didn't go well. It's like, but tomorrow's another day. And yeah, I have to learn from it and I have to get better at it, but I'm not going to just beat myself up for it. It's like, Hey man, all I can do is just look at it, try to learn from that and go, now I'm going to try my best to do better tomorrow. And sometimes you have really shitty days and like martial arts has a big, a big help for that. And especially in my life, you know, it's like, like we're talking about, it's like, you know, I had a career where I'm finally, I went through all these fights and all this stuff and I made it to the UFC, the ultimate goal, right? You get to the big show and you get to do it. And then I went there and I lost three fights. I lost and I got out of the UFC. I got cut and like it crushes your whole dream. Like, man, I was in there and then I, not only I got there, it's like I didn't get it done. You know, man, I fought Gilbert Burns my first fight, ten days notice. If guys know who that is, pretty tough ass to fight that guy on ten days notice. Yeah. One of the best in the world. Yeah. And then my my second two fights, I, I barely lose decisions where they're this close. And I I get cut from the UFC and I'm thirty two years old. That's kinda old for, you know, MMA fighters near there. And it was a real kind of point in my life of like, hey, what are you gonna do? Where are you going to go from here? You know, like you can quit and just call it like, hey, look, you did good. You won a bunch of great fights. You fought tons of high-level guys. Because, I mean, even before that, I think I fought like 10 guys who have been in the UFC or more now. That you know, So I fought a ton of high-level guys. I won a lot of big fights. I've done a lot of great things. I've had a ton of you know, success and experience. No shame in getting there and, and you didn't quite get it done. And it's like, hey, man, those are the best guys in the world. Like. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, to get there and and then to to lose all that, and then it was like one of those moments where you got to make a decision, right? Like, hey, we're we gonna call it. And it's like, cause like I said, I love coaching, right? And that's a perfect time. It's like, all right, you had a great run, you did it, you know. Like, let's get into the coaching role and do this kind of deal, you know. And I had to really take some time and and, and get in some deep thought and, and you know, you know, go to like a little dark place for a little bit and like really reconcile with yourself. Like, hey, man. Are you going to be okay with this being your effort and that's where you got and then you cash it in? Or is it worth it for you to have to go through the grind again and go through that just, you know, treacherous deal of having to fight all these tough guys to get another shot at a big promotion? Are you willing to do that? Because I got out of the UFC, I said, I'm going to have to probably win four hard fights. I'm going to have to fight four tough guys in a row here and win to get back. Like, are you willing to do that? You know, and, and it took me a little bit to wrestle with that and go, I'm willing to go through it. I'm willing to try. I got enough left in me and I, and I can do that. Uh, and I, I was like, all right, I made the decision like, hey, I got to fix some things. I had to look at what, what my problems were and where my, my shortfalls were. Hey, you're really good at this, obviously. You, you made it this far. But when it really counted, you didn't quite get it done. Where where does that happen and why? Um you know, and I, I found those things, was able to, to start to fix them and work on them. And I won a big fight in Abu Dhabi then um, over there against a UFC veteran, two, two UFC veterans fighting each other in the main event. Big fight. I, I got a knockout win over there. Um, 
and then uh you know obviously with the covid situation everything kind of got crazy and it was weird there with fights falling through no fights obviously for a while and then things falling through and lo and behold i'm training hard and after and i'm, I'm still just grinding like i'm gonna have to win these fights to get there and i think because you're in that mindset and you're always training and you're willing to put in that extra work i was ready to go when a fight got offered to me on a shorter notice hey are you willing to step in again the same way i got in the ufc fighting gilbert burns on 10 days notice on 10 days notice are you willing to fight number three ranked goichi yamaguchi in bellator the third ranked guy lightweight and can you make the weight yes and i'm willing to go and you know because i was willing to put in that work and i i, I put a reasonable goal out there like i'm gonna have to win four fights turns out i only have to had win one one good one and be ready to go and, and i got an opportunity there and, and got a huge win and beat a, a number three ranked guy in the company and and was able to to get a big contract and fight for a, a world class promotion again, you know. Yeah, I mean it's uh you're you're kind of like knocking right back on the door, you know, as far as the getting back into the UFC goes, right? I mean Bellator's obviously, you know, I guess Bellator and, you know, maybe maybe arguably like one or probably the the two two biggest uh promotions out there aside from the UFC. I mean I know that you you're coming off of um, like a couple of recent losses. Uh, you know, what are you doing differently or what did you, what did you kind of learn from those two that's making you come back and you're, you know, you're feeling ready, you're feeling stronger. You know, what, what, what did you learn from those two? Well, uh, those two fights, man, like I, it was a lot of um, getting off the game plan. You know, I went out there and because mm-hmm. I, I got into this, this little mindset of, of just going out there and being super aggressive which is great and fans love it. And it, it's a big part of fighting. Um, you know, that first fight, it, that was what was winning me the fight. I was kicking that dude from pillar to post and, and whooping him and smashing him. Good on him for being tough enough to hang in there. And then he pulls it off at the end. Um, you know, the second fight was just a slugfest and a barn burner from the beginning. And we just went at it and I chucked it like I did not wrestle like I should have. I didn't, you know, control position and win rounds. Got a little bit out of like, the fighting, you know, the martial arts side of it and just went in there to fight. I was like, I'm just going to hurt these dudes. And that's it. Like, I think I can knock these guys out. And, uh, you know, I, I have the ability to do that and get it. But it's like, Hey man, you're, you're a black belt in jujitsu and you wrestled since you were a kid and you can control position and you're a tactical, good fighter. That was kind of always what got me there was uh, you know, tactics and, and being a, uh, having a fight IQ. And I got off of the game plan, you know, literally for those two fights. And it's one of those things where, yeah, that's how things go sometimes in life. It's like, man, even with all the experience I have now, more than 35 fights, I've been doing this for, you know, almost 15 years now. It's like, hey, yeah, and even then still, it's like, you get off the game plan, can you start landing some bombs, or you get hit with a couple, and it's like, all right, cool, we're just going to do this then, you know, and, and that machismo takes over a little bit, and that'll happen, you know, but you have to be able to control that and get there. So that's what we've, uh, you know, been focusing on and really trying to, get back to it and myself was like, yeah, there's going to be a time and a place when you got to just chuck, we're going to bite down and we're going to throw hammers and we're going to see what happens, but also be tactically and be smart and, and know how to control yourself and when to push the gas and when to control, when to just do certain things to win rounds and win fights instead of just going out there and trying to kill somebody every time, you know, um, it's, uh, it's always an, an evolution of the game. And especially again, you know, I'm not the youngest guy where it's like, Hey, you kind of got to, figure out how to just win these fights at the end. It's like, they'll pay you and they'll, they love that. You can just go in there and you put on a show. Cause I put nothing but action for Bellator. It's been three fights of just 
getting it. And, and they love me for it, which is great. You know, I love Bellator. They, they, they pay me good and they take care of me. And then I love fighting for them. Um, but Hey, you got to go out there and win too, you know? So, uh, that's kind of what we've been working on and focused on. And I was really excited to kind of show it on Saturday, but again, it doesn't happen. So we stay ready and hopefully, uh, hopefully we get a show that kind of stuff here coming up. They got, um, Chicago next month. And then, uh, I think Sioux Falls coming up here in August with Bellator. I haven't uh, got that confirmed yet, but you know, those are both back up close to my, my home state of Minnesota. So hopefully we, we get one of those ones, if not something else before. Yeah, the, man, the you know, I always go back to like the, the mental side, right? I mean, obviously there's so much physical uh, component to, to MMA or, or to martial arts. Like you're, you're pushing your body or you're breaking down, you got inflammation, you got injuries, you got, you know, you got to get your diet on point. You have all these things and sleep and recovery, but you, you can, you can do everything right. And it one, one little thought that pops into your head into a fight can just change can change the whole outcome of, of an event. Uh, you know, going, going off of the game plan a little bit or you know, it's something as small as just deciding, all right, like I'm going to, I'm going to go out and just go for the knockout this round. And then, you know, you get gassed out and then all of a sudden the, the whole dynamic of the fight changes. So uh, for, for anyone out there that definitely has never done like a, a martial art, you know, I, I always recommend that just, you know, go, go do some jujitsu, go, go do some, I know it's a lot harder to get into wrestling, uh, when you're an adult, you know, it's just, it's harder to access, but, you know, go do a boxing class. Like you, you just learn so much about yourself and it, it's less about sometimes the person that you're fighting and so much more about how you respond to that, that pressure. Yeah. Well, and like um, you said, it's a lot more mental than you would think. Um, and the, also the connection between the physical and mental part. <clears throat> that's a huge thing for people to just for learning and, and growth in life and things too, is like coordinating those things. It's not as if your body and your mind are two separate deals. It's all one unit. Um, and a lot of that it becomes in jujitsu because at a certain point, and even in these fights, right, where it was like <clears throat> that might've worked earlier on, or if I was fighting lesser competition, if I was not fighting world-class guys and I just go in there and just start bombing on somebody tomorrow, we're sparring. If, if I go into sparring tomorrow and I get one of the younger guys or less experienced people and I just start chucking on them, I can probably, that'll probably be a decent tactic and I can win. But once you're doing it at a certain level and people have a certain skill set, it, it becomes less about just the physical side of it. Everybody's tough. Everybody's got good cardio. Everybody's all these things. Now, again, it's a mind game and tactics. And people can try, like you're saying, just doing jujitsu, go in and just train jujitsu and you realize like, Hey man, there's some really big, strong, tough guys. But if you just can be smart and weather it for 45 seconds ago, all of a sudden this dude starts getting real tired. His big old arms are, he can't even feel his fingers anymore. His grips are gone and he's not feeling so. And now it's like, Oh, okay. And you start to diminish that. It's like, you can use your mind to win a lot of things. And that's such a fun game to play. And like you said, it's like they're saying it's human chess. It's high level problem solving and you, know, and you get to use your body to do it. It's, it's fun to play games like that and do things with your mind. But when you get to do it with your body, it's like your mind is the thing that's controlling all that and dictating the pace. And when are we doing certain things and what positions are we going to be in? It's a great experience. So, yeah, I, I can't recommend doing jujitsu enough. You know, like a, a really good example of it, too, is I'm thinking back to like the, you know, the big hyped up like Conor McGregor when he fought uh, Diaz. 
And it was like Connor just went out and fucking knocked everybody out. Like just calls the round. He's going to knock him out. And, you know, not that he didn't fight good guys. Like he fought some, some really tough guys, but he comes out with like, you know, Nate Diaz, just this dude that's just been in the game forever. He's got a like rock solid chin. He just goes out there and he just fights like no, no one can put him out. And it's like, he, he goes out there, he fights Conor McGregor. McGregor really was just dominating him. I mean, he was, he was quicker, he was smarter. And I, I, you kind of like saw the moment where he was expecting the fight to be over and Diaz is still coming. And it was just that moment. It was like, you could almost see where the life came out of him, where he's just, he expected so much to win that fight. Like this is the moment that it's over. And then the guy's still coming at you. And even that, you know, coming from a point of being so dominant in a fight and then just realizing that this guy's still game and standing there looking at you, like still coming at you, just, just that itself can, can psych you out. Even if you've, you've been the dominant fighter. So, yep. <clears throat> yeah, it was when his physical attributes left him. And then he, he was like, Hey, I hit this guy with everything I had. He's still there. Yeah. And then Diaz started to put it back on him and he goes, his physical attributes are not anywhere close to Connor's, but he weathered that storm, stayed in there. And then he hits him with a couple of shots and hits him in the body. And Connor goes, Oh man, that kind of hurt. I'm a little tired now because I'm so fatigued. Yeah. Now I'm kind of tired. And then it was mental. It was a big switch. All of a sudden he was like, Oh, and his whole body language changed. He kind of sunk backwards. Like, Oh man, like I, I can't beat the, I can't knock this guy out. And he's, he's hurting me now. And they, it, the whole mentality of the fight switched, right? It wasn't just physical that it switched. It was like, oh, now all of a sudden you're under the defense. And then he starts to kind of back away, and Diaz starts to pour it on him. And he says, he's kind of like, nah, now what's up? And he goes, uh-oh. He pushed him to the fence, started beating him up a little, and then Connor shoots him, tries to wrestle him. And Connor's not shooting on anybody. That right. was all just yeah. like mental laps. And he goes, I got to get hold of this guy. Like, I'm going to lose. And he shoots and then gets sprawled on, spun, took his back, and got choked out. If he would have just stayed up, even though he was tired, it wasn't that he just physically broke there. It was like, that was a, because he physically broke, he made a terrible mental decision. And he started to shoot yeah. against the guy who's a way better grappler than him. And now we're grappling. And it was like, oh, that was a mistake. And that's one of those things like you're saying. It's like, it's right there. Even at the highest level, the best guy in the world, oh, he got a little tired and then he made a mental mistake. Like, and it cost him. And it cost him everything. Yeah. It, it's that mind body connection that you're talking about, too. I think. For someone that hasn't really been in the martial arts, you don't realize like how much muscle memory plays in. But it, it's crazy when you get really exhausted in some rounds, the the shit that you do sometimes. Like you just you, you do some move that you're like, what? Like why did I do that? I've never I never do that move, and you just you get exhausted, and your body just starts doing things that you know it's like it's almost not even trained it's you just you do some weird move that you haven't done for six years mm -hmm. in, in the middle of it because you're just exhausted yeah i'll throw this um, up out of desperation and you totally lose your position you're like why did i do that for sure yep. um something i wanted to ask you too like I, I know you talked a little bit about your just the background and how you got into it and coming from wrestling and everything but what like what specifically about the fight game do you think it was that that drew you in and what have you learned about yourself and just about life through you know your your travels and your journey in mma it was really <clears throat> what what got me to it was just competition you know i wanted to <clears throat> continue to compete after wrestling and, and playing football on the cross and stuff in high school and you know i just i was a good wrestler but i was not a great wrestler 
and you know, I just I didn't wrestle in college, so I was uh, searching for something to to do to compete. I just I didn't think that that time in my life was over, um, and I don't think that should ever really be over in a person's life. That I think that's a, a downfall, like a thing that's happened in society. We sort of stop competing, we stop learning, we stop like doing that. Right? You just fall into like this is what I do now, um, and I didn't want to give that up. I wanted to compete, and when I found martial arts and fighting, it was the most pure form of competition I, I had ever been involved in, where there wasn't all these other arbitrary rules and referees and judges and points and this different thing. It was just one person versus another, and they was this is as close as we can match two people up, and you can train and prepare however you'd like, and we're just going to have to go in there and figure it out. And that was just such an interesting thing to be involved in for me because to have to problem solve and to, for the consequences to be so severe and to be in that kind of a competition where it really mattered and it counted. Like back home in Minnesota, I like to play, like we play slow pitch softball, right? My family's huge into it. They love it. It's great. And it's so much fun. And they do it at what is high level for slow pitch softball, right? Now it's Division One. We're playing the state tournament and all this and that. Doing that, it was like, it was not enough for me. It was not the same. It, you know what I mean? The, the game's on the line. And there's, yeah. We're down two runs, and there's three guys on base, and I'm up to bat. And I was like, yeah, you know, if I hit it out, this is awesome. I win the game. But if I don't, we're sitting here drinking beer still, you know, out of the cooler. Like, whatever. It's a different thing in martial arts. It was just the competition meant so much more. And that brought something out of me that I, I knew was in there and I, and I had in, in the sports in high school, but it just took it to a different level. And the, then the camaraderie that I got with my teammates trying, trying this and doing this. And, you know, it's that voluntary hard kind of thing. It's like choosing your heart and, and to do that and to have a like-minded group of people around to suffer through this kind of thing with it gave a bond that um, a lot of my friends that I've had through martial arts are, are my closest friends, closer than people I've known for much mm -hmm. longer because we go through way more together, right? And, uh, you know, I say this, like, not in, it's not in a weird way, but it's like it's a very intimate thing. If we grapple and we're right next to each other and we're breathing on each other and your sweat's falling on my face and I'm trusting you with my life and you're trusting me with yours, that's an intimate thing. Like this is a different experience than hey we played uh you know a game of pool at the bar together and did whatever, that's a that's not even close to the same deal, so martial arts has just brought me so much as far as that competition and and push in my life to try to better myself, and continue to better myself and I think that's one of the biggest things that's given me is a a willingness and a knowledge that there should always be improvement, and I've taking that to the other parts of my life as well where i read more now than i ever did when i was you know tasked to read things in school or something and i try to you know i'm like I, i'm trying to learn spanish she's like i'm terrible at it still and i've been trying to learn it but it's like but i'm trying i took two years of spanish in high school didn't pay attention for one second you know and regret it was like now that i'm like man i should learn this thing i should try to learn a new language i should like to try to learn an instrument and play some music I should try to read as many books as I can and get as smart as I can. Hey, what is my health like? I do something that's incredibly dangerous and, and horrible for your health, right? I fight dangerous men in a cage. But the rest of it is all about like how healthy can I get? I monitor and check every single thing I do. My HRV, my heart rate, what's what's this? What's my body battery at? How am I sleeping at night? What's my nutrition like? Am I taking in positive stuff mentally? 
You know, am I getting enough sunlight and, and nature? How's my relationships with my friends? Do I love my family? Like all of these things I think about to try to improve myself, not just for the martial art, but because of it. And it's given me so much of that in life where it's like, I, I, I'll never be bored in my life because I'm super curious. I'll never stop, you know, wanting more and trying to be the best and, and trying to be as the best version of myself I can be. And not just for me, but for everyone that's around me. Um, it's, it's made me a very selfless person. Like I, you know, fighting and having accolades and doing these things is, is great and it's cool. It's nice. Right. That all that stuff, nothing is better for me than when I get to help somebody else. When, whether that's, you know, um, cornering one of my good friends I've known since we were an amateur, I coached him since an amateur, he won his first UFC fight. Big, big deal for me, whether it's that or whether it's, I work with the, you know, doing private lessons with the a female police officer and now she feels safe on her job because we're working on how to retain her weapon and stay away and she's getting self-defense things like that's so rewarding for me and to help people and to to make their lives better um you know martial arts has given that to me and it, you know i can't say enough about you know what it's it's done for the other parts of my life for sure that that's really well said it you know something that i talk about uh in my book is this kind of like principle of, you know, like on a, on an airplane you get on and they have these little pamphlets that they put out and they have the section where you're putting the, putting the, the oxygen mask on, right. The oxygen mask drops down and it's got like the mom sitting next to the kid hmm. and it, it shows the mom putting her own oxygen mask on first before putting it on the kid, which is totally counterintuitive to a parent, right. Or, what, what you would generally think like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta save your kid. But it's really like when you start working on yourself, when you start developing yourself, when you start becoming a self-actualized and, and happy and successful individual, and you're, you're constantly growing it, you reach this point where not only are you like inspiring other people, but you just have this passion for learning and improvement. It's like every time you see someone that's struggling with something, or you see someone that is, is, having a hard time with their own oxygen mask Be because you put your own on and you focused on your own well-being as a, as a human being as, and as an individual, you're able to help someone else. And I think that that's something that's really, really overlooked in today's society is you see so many people out there like pointing fingers and talking, like criticizing everyone else and just pointing out everyone's mistakes. And it's like, look at you, you know, you're, you're overweight you're depressed, you're unhappy. And it's, it's not to say that, you know, your weight or your, your mental health is like an indicator of your worth as a human being. Right. But like, if you're not even, if you don't have your own shit together, yeah. why, why are we out there just like criticizing and ripping apart everyone else? Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, you clean your own room first, you know, like it's not, and, and yeah. don't people ask my opinions on, political stuff and racial things and red team and blue team and all these issues and wars and not. And I said, I don't, I say, it's not that I don't think about those things. I do. It's worth thinking about. You should have thoughts on stuff like that and don't just negate it, but also focus on yourself and what you can do in your tight circle. That's way more important because those other things are not involved. Whether blue haired people want to do this or that, or, you know, people want to call them whatever. Like I don't care at all. You know, I'm not worried about that unless it directly involves me. All I can choose, to, and again, one of my my favorite authors uh, and, and people to listen to, his his audiobook is probably one of my favorite ones I've listened to a bunch of time, is Jim Rohn. 
um, who's a like a self-help guy and done all that stuff. He was Tony Robbins' mentor. Uh, the Ultimate Jim Rohn Collection on Audible has probably played 20 times over. Um, and he says the same thing. He talks about put your mask on first. You know, be the best person you can. He's like, and that's, he said, that's the saying. He said, I changed it. You know, not I'll help you if you help me. Is I'll do my best and be my best for you if you'll be your best and do your best for me. Because if I'm my best version of myself, think of what that'll do for me as a parent and as a, a brother and as a friend mm. and a coach. If I'm the best version that I can be for my of myself, that's what's going to benefit the most people. You know, not me criticizing this thing or having opinions on that or worrying about all these other things. It's like if everyone was just focused on themselves and their tight-knit group and said, how can we be the best we're going to be? How can I be the best person that I'm going to be as healthy, as happy, as successful, as, you know, ambitious and motivated and driven as I can be? The world would be, a, uh, I think, a much better place if we weren't just, if we just focused on that instead of criticizing somebody's opinion on this or what they're doing over there or all these different things, like you're saying, it's like, man, really, you know, the self, the, the better you can make yourself, the better the world will be. I, I agree 100%. That's, I mean, that, that's my message. That's not always what I'm trying to put out there, right? It's like work, work on you, you know, pick, not, not that you can ever really complete the journey, right? Cause there's always something you can improve on, but you know, I feel like once, once you can get to a, a kind of a base level of just being happy with who you are as a human being, right? Of course, like there's always improvements to make, but when you're just content with, with who you are and you, you know that you're kind of living the life that you want to be, you know, not necessarily what you're doing, but who you are, that's a really powerful place to be in life, you know, cause it, everything else doesn't matter, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to win a fight, you know, you're, you're trying to go to work, you're trying to be a good, you know, parent, whatever it is you're trying to do, but when, when you're just happy with the person that you are and your progress in life, I mean, that that's what, what else can you ask for? You know, no, no one can take that yep. away from you. Yep. Yeah. You're always moving in the right direction and that can only be positive. For sure. So I wanted to ask you, I've got, got a couple of questions here. I always ask the guests, um, you know, the, the first one is, and I know you mentioned books a couple of times and reading. So I wanted to ask you, uh, if you have like two book recommendations you had to throw out there for, for the listeners, you know, what, what would your two recommendations be? Um, man, if I only got to pick two, I'd two more impactful books. Um, I both listen to and read because I enjoy them that much and try to get, you know, you get a little different things out of each if you listen to it or if you read it, actually both. Um, mm -hmm. Meditations, Marcus Aurelius is obviously a classic and, yeah. and just about as filled with wisdom as a book could ever be. Um, and a nice, short, easy one for people is uh, As a Man Thinketh. Um, I've gotten a ton out of that. There's a lot of short, easy ones. That's what I suggest for people, especially people who don't read, who are adults, because I was an adult who didn't read that much. Um, yeah. start with some easy ones, you know, build a little momentum and get some success. Uh, that's a pretty short, easy one. U squared is an easy one. Um, the alchemist, that's a short, easy book. Good read. You'll feel good. <laughs> get that. In, sure. You know, so there's a few. Okay. And, and what about, um, like, do, do you have any personal heroes or like people that you look up to? Yeah. Um, you know, an easy one for me, I would say is, uh, 
my mentor in, in martial arts really is uh, Greg Nelson, who's my coach in Minnesota um, and, and one of the a real legend in the sport. Um, he's who I have got my black belt under and have been training under for several years. He's coached four different UFC champions and several other UFC fighters, Strikeforce, Bellator, you know, all over the world, high level people in, in kickboxing or anything like that. But he embodies um kind of everything a lot of the stuff we talked about there like his entire life is just about how good can he get how much can he share how many people can he affect in a positive and and helpful way um he's such a student of the martial arts and loves it more than anybody i've ever seen he watches as much as he can and does all this stuff he's got literally walls full of notebooks um that he's taken with drawings in him and pictures and everything too and he he's just a such an interesting human, a positive, great guy, uh, and and a real badass. <laughs> the toughest little guy you ever seen. Yeah. You know, he I go up there to Minnesota, and he's fifty five, six. I don't know how old, and he gives me hell every time. He'll want to push me and see where I'm at, uh, and, and go after me. Um, just a a great person and a great follow if you're uh, on Instagram and stuff. Greg Nelson MMA. He's he's full of wisdom and, and great stuff and humor too. Uh, just a wonderful human. Um, so he he's a really a hero of mine and a guy I aspire to be a lot like. That's awesome, man. I especially somebody that's uh, that ends up being so close to you. You know, I've I've had a lot of people answer like their parents and things like that, and I think that's you know that's really cool. But it's it's awesome that you kind of have someone that you know, is a, is a mentor to you. And that person is your hero. I think that's uh that's really cool because you have this person that you can kind of look up to and model, you'll model, model yourself after a little bit too. Um, what about uh, something I'm always interested in is like daily habits. And I've been trying to be a lot more mindful of this myself and trying to get my habits together, but what what kind of habits you run through? Obviously, you're you're training every day, physical aspect. But do you, do you have like a you know a handful of habits you kind of run through every day, try to live by? Yeah, uh, some real easy ones is just I mean the morning routine. Obviously, people will talk about a lot. That's a big deal. I think you got to start off on the right foot and get it going. Um, so that's right away for me. Is just uh, uh, waking up, chug water. Vitamins are all right there. Everything's laid out. It's right next to me here. I just get that down and go right away. It's like, Hey, I'm off to a good start. I got a bunch of water and a bunch of healthy stuff in me. Um, a big one for me recently has been, uh, movement. I know that's a physical thing, but it's also a mental deal. Again, that mind body connection. Um, and what I've done there a lot is really just downgraded the intensity of what that means. I, I never was a person who loved running until recently, once I was in the mountains and, and trail running and doing that stuff. So I do love that, but just movement. I walk so much now uh, and something I never used to do. And I think it's great for people. Um, audiobooks, music, whatever you want to do there. And a lot of times just do it with nothing but your silence, the sound of nature. Go for a little walk. Um, I do it after every meal I have. Um, and I, I probably walk uh, anywhere between three and... 10 miles a day every day um and then beyond that it's just running and doing that but that movement is, is such a big thing um and a daily habit because that's a daily habit you can keep for your entire life and if you keep it for your entire life your life will be longer so if you walk every day if you walked one mile after you ate 
each meal if you can and like have the time to do that, even if it's just like 10 minutes. But if you can walk like that, if you eat healthy food and walk a, a mile every day, you sure you'll probably live a long time. So I think that's a pretty easy day to have it for people. That's it's pretty common sense. But again, Jim Rohn's one of those, one of the great things he always said, he goes, well, what if I told you if it's as easy as an apple a day? He's like, well, that's easy to do. He said, well, but it's also easy not to do. If, you know, if you don't eat the apple a day, you might not go for the walk around the block. If you don't go for the walk around the block, you might not buy the book. You might not start your library. So it's just one little thing at a time. It's like, that just is like, man, eat, eat some healthy food and go for a walk. Yeah, it, it's pretty simple, and it and the uh, the mind body connection is there because, man, anybody who's like trying to be a high achiever at, at anything, you, you know, like I, I'll I'll see these guys, they're just like they're they're trying to like run a business, and they're like, I'm just going to work, you know, 18 hours a day, and you know, not sleep, and they're eating McDonald's, and it's it's you, you can do it for a while. I mean, human beings are amazing at the the way that we're able to adapt, but there, there's no way you're going to be able to function at a high level and at your best if, if you don't even have basic health down. Yeah. And then it's well, and a lot of, if you listen to, there's a lot of high level entrepreneurs, authors, uh, musicians, just people of note that will say my best thoughts come to me when I'm on a, out on a walk, just moving sure. your body and doing that. You get into this nice little breathing rhythm unconsciously. You're not even thinking about it. Your body is in a rhythm, you're breathing. And now you get these little thoughts and like, that's where I have some of the best thoughts of my entire day. My most, you know, uh, I, I used to, when I would hike a lot of times, what I do is carry around a little, uh, the tiny little notebook like that with a little pencil, like a golf pencil. And I would literally have things pop into my head, you know, and listen, I'm a cage fighter. And I also, I'd be out for a walk or a little jog and a, I would literally have poetry come to me and I'm just out for a walk and I'm in nature and I'll have the most beautiful thought. And I go, I don't know if I heard that somewhere, if that's original for me, but it's like, I need to write that down. So I've got this little notebook of like just poems, thoughts, quotes that just came to me because I was just out and walking on a mountain and had a beautiful thought. And, and so that daily walk is a big deal, not just physically, but for mentally, I think it's great. Sure. And it, it sounds like it's kind of like a, I guess, an active meditation too, because today's world, I mean, we're always like, we're always worried about something. We're always stressed about something where scroll or doom scrolling on Instagram. We're freaking, you know, we're worried, like we're talking about something. We're watching the news to, to just put everything down and get into nature for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just have nothing but your thoughts and your footsteps walking down a dirt trail. Uh, there's, there's something, something natural about that, something freeing about that, that it, it's so basic, but how many of these moments do we really experience in this modern world most of the time yeah and a lot of people i mean there's people living in new york right now that probably haven't gone for a walk out in nature for many many years right and they're yeah. they're successful they're running businesses but to not be connected to to your world it's kind of an odd thing yeah yeah and obviously doing out of nature i think is is the best but i mean even if you're downtown in manhattan if you can at least get outside and you're at the same time getting that exercise and you're really able to have those thoughts like you're also got the sun shining on your face the winds in your hair like you're getting fresh air and sunshine all these things like you can't really get more bang for your buck than just going for a walk yeah that's true i, I like it i might have to i might have to start adding a walk in somewhere to my routine um so last last thing i always like to ask all the guests uh you know obviously you you've lived you've lived a lot of life you've done a lot of cool stuff you know traveling around doing the uh 
the rogue the rogue method stuff you've been you know fighting all over the world and and you know some really big events uh and you've got a lot of personal projects you're doing i mean like learning the language and reading and uh looking back with everything that you've learned all the experiences you've gone through if you could go back in time speak to a teenage version of yourself you know i know maybe 15 16 14 whatever it is and give yourself one piece of advice what what might that piece of advice be probably just tell myself to have patience. I, 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 I was so frustrated when I was young, not having it figured out. Um, you know, I was lucky to become a, a professional athlete. I always wanted to play football. That's all I ever wanted to do and thought I was going to do. And as soon as I realized like that wasn't going to happen for me, I was just, I didn't, I didn't have anything figured out. And I think a lot of people don't have it figured out and they choose a major in college or whatever. And they, they fix something and, you know, even in high school or whatever, you got to get this figured out. You got to know, you don't have to have it figured out. Not when you're 15 and not when you're 25 and not when you're 45. It's like, you don't have to have it all figured out then. Just have some patience. Like if you just, again, just do your best and, and try to find it and never get bored and always keep searching, you're going to find something for yourself. You know, uh, I could say, I, I tell people I'm, I was lucky. I found it pretty early in my life. You know, I was 20 years old. I found martial arts. I said, this is, this is so cool to me. And it was so rewarding to teach it and to share with other people. I said, I can do this the rest of my life. You know, it's not the only thing I, I'm going to do. Obviously, you know, if I, if all I ever was known for was being good at violence and, and fighting and hurting people, I think I came up short as a man. Uh, you know, Oh, he was a professional. He fought in the UFC. He did this. If that's all I am, I, I came up short in my view because I have I know that I have potential to be so much more and to give so much more and do that. Um, but, you know, if I didn't have the patience to just find that, you know, I, I guess i pretty lucky at about 20 to figure that out. Some people don't find that until they're 50. And all of a sudden you run into some hobby or something, you go, I wish I would have known this when I was however old. And they're great at it and they become a huge success and, and whatever. So... I tell that to my, my young self because it caused, you know, I was, like I said, lucky to find it when I was young, but it caused me a lot of, a lot of, you know, pain in my life, like thinking I wasn't going to be something and I, I wasn't going to ever, you know, be enough or, or be good. And, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, everybody had it all figured out and I didn't, um, you know, and it turns out nobody really has it all figured out. <laughs> so have a little patience, you know, young Dan, you, you're going to, you're going to do okay. You know, and uh, you'll make some mistakes and you'll have some things that will happen and, and setbacks and all kinds of stuff. Everybody does. But I think in the end, you know, uh, and obviously pretty early still in my my life journey here. But it's like I think you you're on a good trajectory to be a good man. So have some patience with yourself and and stay after it. And I, I, I just love uh, I, I love hearing from someone, right, like. Again, everything you've done and, and how rare it is to be in Bellator, how rare it is to, to have been in the UFC, to, to be at the level that you're at, right? And and you look back and you say, my my greatest accomplishment is, you know, who, who you are as a man, right? Who you are as a human being. I think that's, I think that's a, a, a beautiful, beautiful mindset to have, right? That it's not about this, this legacy or the things you've accomplished, but just who you are as a human being. And I... That that's so sorely lacking in this world. I, I really I, I hope that that's a a sentiment that we see a lot more of in the world because it, it could really use it. I think that people are so concerned with everything external to themselves, and that's like 
so many people just go through life and they never they never look in the mirror and ask like who who am I who do I want to be uh, am, am I on the course to be the person that I that I would like to be so yeah uh, I I love that Dan <clears throat> it's just uh it's striving to be your best I don't think there's any there's any reason not to you know for sure it's it's just a life going and pushing if you if you do that good things will happen and uh i think you'll end up being a happy person for it you know i don't think anybody could argue with that hey if i just always do my best and i just keep moving forward and and, and do that if i help as many people as i can i think things will work out for me yeah well dan i think that's a great place to leave off you know i really enjoyed speaking with you hearing a little bit about the you know the the old like uh root em, shoot em kind of like UFC days and MMA days and just, you know, hearing about your journey and everything. And definitely would love to stay in touch with you. Um, is there, <clears throat> is there anybody you want to shout out or anything you'd like to mention, um, you know, for the, for the listeners to check out if they want to find out more about you? Um, yeah, man. Instagram is usually the easiest way to check out or follow things about me. Um, if you're interested in, in martial arts and stuff, you know, uh, give me a follow there. Greg Nelson MMA. Like I said, that's a great follow if you're, if you're into it. Um, you know, if, if you're looking for self-defense and, and, you know, just some, some growth as a human and as a person, rogue methods and morale myself are, are really trying to, to help people and better as many people as we can there. Um, and I tell people this, Hey, you know, if you have questions or things like that, you know, shoot me a message on Instagram. I try to find it when you're in the, the, the hidden ones or whatever, when we're not following each other, you know, if you got questions on things and you need some help with something, give me, a, give me a shot and I'll try to help you and do whatever I can. If you got questions about, Hey, where should I train or what should I do with this or that? Um, I really try to, to help as many people as I can. So, so give me a shot on there. Um, Hitman Moret, uh, M O R E T on there and, and, and give me a, give me a shout and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch and hopefully I can be in touch with a few of the, the people as well. Awesome. Dan, uh, thank, thanks again for coming on. Had a great time speaking with you and I uh, hope you have a good rest of your evening. All right. Thank you, man. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.